0: Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery interview. I am your host, Edmonton Journal Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. This is, of course, our weekly podcast where we speak with somebody in Alberta political circles about what's going on, what they see the state of affairs and that kind of thing. Even more exciting as we head into an election, you can and should subscribe to the Press Gallery podcast. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher and now on Spotify, which we're very excited about. Do subscribe so you get all the latest episodes straight to your device. And any questions, comments, or concerns, give me a shout. You can email me, eGraney at postmedia.com, or find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Today with me, I have Agriculture and Forestry Minister O'Neill Carlier, who is here to talk all about his file. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
1: Very good, Emma. Thank you.
0: That's good. Now, I think I say your name wrong.
1: Oh, I think you say it absolutely right. Do I? Yes.
0: O'Neill Carlier. Carlier. I have problems with some um, North American words. I think it's just my accent. So I've butchered your name for years now. Sorry about that. Uh Um, Thank you for joining me. There are a few things I wanted to chat with you about. Happy Agricultural Safety Week. Is Is that the right week?
1: It is the right week. Absolutely. Yes. The Canadian Agriculture Safety Week. Yep. You know, a chance to, for everyone to t- pause and consider what, you know, how, how danger, dangerous farm, you know, farming operations really are mm-hmm. and to pause and to reflect on what we can do to make it even that, even safer what's
0: the picture like in alberta when it comes to to farm safety are there a lot of um are there a lot of vaccines and that kind of thing on farms here
1: farming is a dangerous occupation yeah you know there's others in forestry industry fishing but agriculture remains a fairly dangerous occupation uh, but you know, people need to be aware they need to be able to do what they can new machinery new techniques new employees right so it's always an opportunity to continue continuous training on health and safety and ensure that those workplaces are safe as they possibly can be
0: now when you got uh, when you first were given the um, this particular portfolio, how high up on your radar was farm safety when it came to the issues that you have to deal with in the ministry?
1: very high you know I come from a farming family, my family still farms. Uh, you know, have been for four generations now. Mm-hmm. So always a consideration. You know, remember you know, minor accidents. I've I've lost Keith myself in a farming accident. No way! I, what happened? I I, I I unfortunately like accidents. Often accidents are. It was a stupid one. Uh-huh. I had dropped a tire and then it bounced back and hit me in the face. Oh ouch! And I was I was a teenager at the time, but yeah, since yeah since then, ah. you know. But it it should be on everybody's mind. You know any any safety, obviously, in any industry, and there's been a real focus on on farming and ranches, uh, farms and ranches lately to make sure that we can do just that, and that's make them much more safer.
0: Now, obviously, this has come up this week in the Alberta politics scene. Uh, UCP leader Jason Kenney came out with the UCP agriculture. Uh, policy kind of platform there this week, your initial response to that I know we did chat with you very briefly after that um agriculture policy was announced. A well, big part of that, of course, is repealing Bill six, which was quite controversial when it was brought in the farm safety the farm safety act. You don't seem particularly happy with this idea of replacing the n d p s bill six with um a freedom farm safety. Act. I'm sorry. I probably have that exact name wrong, but the UCP's replacement. You don't seem impressed with that. I'm
1: Why? Not at all. I think it's 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 to um, have cheap uh, political points. And you know, potentially endangering you know workers, workers' health and safety. I think it's wrong. I was just talking to some some producers at the Alberta Beef Conference today, and and none of them thought it was a good idea to repeal. They feel that was a, there's a lot of work being done, a lot of collaboration, cooperation between the producers and the government uh, to get it right. It was it was a lot of work, a lot of consultation right across the province uh, for farmers and ranchers, workers, organizations, uh, processors, and frankly, everyday Albertans to ensure. That we do get this right, and that we do what we hope to achieve, and that is making those workplaces uh, even that much more safe.
0: Now, when Bill Six first came about, and please forgive me if I'm incorrect, here it was before I actually landed in Alberta, I was in Saskatchewan at the time. But it wasn't well received in its original format, was it?
1: You know, and I, I take I take some responsibility for that myself. You know, to uh, I've apologized, you know, to different organizations, farmers and ranchers, and their organizations, uh, that it wasn't well communicated. It could have been communicated better right but you know since then we've worked with them the 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 commodity groups or work the farmers organizations came together and, and under an ag coalition and really worked with the government on ensuring that this does work for them, that it does achieve what it's hoping to achieve. And since then, they, they've had, they've developed their own health and safety organization called AgSafe Alberta, uh, that is doing good work to ensure that that education component is there and that our workers and our farmers and our, our, our children that are on the farms are, are even that much more safe.
0: Do you think, though, it left a bad taste in people's mouths that they still associate, you know, Bill 6 was kind of a dirty word at the time? So do you think that's just – it's kind of dogged you throughout uh, throughout this administration?
1: Perhaps. I don't hear a lot about that anymore, right, about what what the concerns were. Mm -hmm. There were concerns that were – that people had, I suppose, filling in the voids where they thought there were voids, right? Saying this is going to affect 4H and and the ability for for children to learn from their from their fathers and grandfathers on the farm, and that was never the intent, and that and that never did happen. So a lot of those conspiracy theories that were going around, and some of them, some of them promoted, you know, frankly by the opposition party, have have proven to be false, and all that's fallen away. And now we're we're at a place now, like a really good place. Where, where we are, where we want to be, and that is to increase health and safety.
0: One of the parts uh, that Jason Kenney spent a lot of time talking about at his press conference was that idea that the current rules as they stand that were brought in by your NDP government, they don't serve smaller farms, like your f- tiny little family farms that maybe have like two employees. So the idea is there, well, we just won't have this act apply to those smaller farms. What, what What's wrong with that? I mean, that seems like a fairly reasonable, reasonable thing to do.
1: You know, there is, you know, I guess, you know, uh, um, important to note that this legislation does only affect those farms that have paid non-family workers, mm-hmm. right? Which includes a lot of farms, right? A lot of small farms might hire a truck driver to bring, get in, you know, get in the harvest, bring, you know, haul in the grain from the fields, you know, three, four weeks in a, in a, in a year, you know, but to, in, to think that that, that worker is somehow um has less rights than other workers you know I would I would strongly disagree uh even though they might be hired for a short time they should have their have the right to health and safety workplace as any other worker
0: you were talking earlier about uh, growing up on a family farm one of the or y- that your family used to farm what do they used to farm well what do they farm
1: well, they still farm yeah. still You know my brother took over the ranch he's a, he's a bit older than I am oh, yeah. uh, he's a cow calf operator mm-hmm. in Southwest Saskatchewan uh there were some crops as well and, and 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 yeah, it's it's. I grew up in the farm. I know I know the challenges that farming can have. Challenges around commodity prices. Challenges around the weather, obviously. And but that it is a, a great way to raise a family. Great way to to uh, uh, a, a standard of living that that's that's found not in many other places.
0: There's a political narrative that the NDP doesn't understand farming because you know they're not perhaps as strong in rural Alberta than, in, as in, for example, urban centers like Edmonton in particular. Do you think that's fair?
1: I don't. You know, there's- Except for that
0: tie that you got in the face when you were, you know, at a farm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, you know, there is um, 14 of my colleagues identify now some themselves as rural MLAs, uh, but there's, you know, my colleagues that grew up on a farm or are still involved in farming. Um, Minister McQuaid Boyd w- uh, was a farmer and her and her husband are cow calf operators. Uh, the Premier herself grew up on a farm. Her, her family had, had been farming for generations. So there is a lot of, of really good solid background in agriculture within the caucus.
0: You came into the studio today and said you were just uh, down in Red Deer. What was that at a at a cattle? That was
1: beef? yeah, the beef conference of Alberta. So oh, okay. it's an opportunity. sixteenth year, where everybody in the industry, from uh, cattle feeders to cow calf operators to to auctioneers, get together and t- discuss their challenges and their opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, within the industry, it's it's well attended, and have some a good lineup of guest speakers and and topics, and it's a good opportunity for them to network and to learn.
0: What did you hear down in uh, down in Red Deer this week? Then
1: I had an opportunity this morning to talk with some of the heads of the of the different commodity groups, mm-hmm. and you know they talked about you know some of their challenges and some of their opportunities. I think one of the one of the great opportunities they brought up, and and I'm well aware of, is expanding markets. You know, the United States is obviously extremely important, will continue being really important, but you know there's uh, there's expanding markets into China, into South Korea, Japan, European uh, European countries. So there's some real opportunities there to expand. And let the world even more, even more, uh, even now than they already are doing, how great our products really are. There is one of my 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 favorite stories is when I was in South Korea on a trade mission. In Seoul, there is a restaurant called the Alberta Butcher Block. All they sell is Alberta Alberta beef, and they sell it twenty four hours a day.
0: Twenty four hours a day.
1: They're open around the clock.
0: You want a steak at four a.m. You can go grab one. Yes, you can. Oh God, bless you, Korea. <laughs> So, I mean, what are the challenges, though, that you're hearing? You're talking about the opportunities to to open up to other markets, but there are obviously challenges there as well. So, what are those?
1: You know, they're they're somewhat concerned, and not not that it's new, not new challenges, but mm. you know, challenges around you know intergovernmental trade within within the, the within the country itself, right? Opportunities maybe to to tweak some regulations to make it easier to sell our products across provincial boundaries. Um, as as a government, we've done some great strides there with the supporting Alberta's local food sector act where we've had an opportunity to actually introduce, for instance, organic standards into Alberta, which didn't exist before. Mm. So an opportunity now for, for that, that segment of the industry to grow as now they have some, they actually have some regulations around that.
0: You do hear that a lot here in Canada about the the interprovincial basically walls, right? Like there are real trade barriers here within Canada itself. So what have you done to try and address that specifically within agriculture and farming?
1: There, you know, talking to the, to to the feds, they're, you know, with I suppose lim- somewhat limited success to some of these some of these trade barriers, I feel their trade barriers are somewhat archaic. Perhaps they made sense many decades ago, right? I know some of them don't. I think don't make sense. Um, a good example is a small abattoirs. If they don't meet the, the federal guidelines, they can't they can't ship across the, uh, uh, provincial boundaries. Which, which, if it's about safety, then why why does a artificial boundary have anything to do with safety? Mm-hmm. So I think there's some opportunities in there to to change that and to and to have the opportun- more of an opportunity to sell our products, whatever those products are, right across the country.
0: Well, speaking of selling products, of course, Canada's hit a bit of a roadblock with canola right now in China. What are you doing about that and what's the situation right now?
1: They, I've had the opportunity to talk with the new, the new federal minister just days after she was appointed, Mm uh, and expressed our concern around canola and, and, and I felt she, she heard me that, you know, we're concerned that the canola, uh, market in China is very important. It's, it's 20% of our canola, uh, market goes or crop goes to China. So it's Mm -hmm. very important. And I've also talked to an executive with Richardson's, with a company that's, that's currently affected and to, to making sure that we keep an open door and that you know, whatever is going on with that we we can help and assist in, in any any possible way.
0: I kind of feel like provincial governments here can be somewhat hog Hey, I'm using an agriculture phrase. Um, but your hands are a little tied when it comes to those international trade disputes, aren't they? So what do you do in this situation when these issues come up? It happened the same thing with uh, India and, and pulses, right? There was an issue there. So as a provincial agriculture minister, what do you do when these international issues come up?
1: And and you're absolutely right, I mean, It is somewhat frustrating because it's not an Alberta issue per se, it's a Canada issue. Mm-hmm. Right? So the federal government is the one that has to negotiate um, either negotiate or argue the case that this this these Tariffs, bar- barriers to trade, whatever they might be, whatever time they are, are in, the, are in the best interest of Alberta's farmers. And that's my encouragement always to them is what's, what's, what's the best interest of Alberta's producers and, and, and processors? And how can we get the result? And what do they need from me exactly other than a letter of support, right? <laughs> is there, is there more that we can do?
0: Well, yeah, aside from a letter of support, what what do you do?
1: Not a lot. again, encourage <laughs> you know continue working with uh, with the federal government. Mm. Uh, another good example on my other side of my portfolio is around around forestry so the soft lumber uh, disagree you know agreement is still is still up in the air. So we've had a really good working relationship with all my colleagues across the country, including the federal colleagues you know to continue working with that to get that file cleared up.
0: Now the forestry thing, good point there. thanks for bringing that up. So <laughs> obviously, um, Alberta has seen more and more wildfires. How are preparations going so far as we head? Oh, look, it's spring today. You can actually feel it. But as we head towards a place where there could perhaps be bushfires, sorry, forest fires, talking Australian again, how are preparations going?
1: You know, we've had, we changed legislation to start um, the official fire season one month early. So it, it actually, the official start of the fire season was March 1st. Of this year, which seemed and nobody's really thinking about wildfires when there's so much snow on the ground. No, I think we had a snow on that day. I didn't we, know, yeah. we probably did, right? But it's a really good o- opportunity for people to, for the staff within the forestry service to get ready, uh, their equipment's up to date. That they're training people that need training. They're hiring where there's gaps, that kind of thing. But also for the general public to to realize that they now need a they'll need a they'll need permits for for if they're burning bush piles, that kind of thing, and the the overall general public to be even that more aware. Uh, May is traditionally our driest month mm-hmm. and that's not that far away. So people if they it's in their mind to be safe, to ensure that their fires are put out, that they do whatever they can to be not that person that starts that wildfire. The past two years we've had, for lack of better words, a pretty easy fire season in the past two years. BC has been has been rough, right. but Alberta has been has been pretty good for these past two years. And I would like to see another year where we don't have many wildfires.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um now obviously we're heading into election. I don't know if you know that.
1: Sorry I did if I hear just that. broke yes. that too. You yes. heard that too, I heard yeah, that, yeah. Heard
0: that rumour. Yeah. Um so as we as we kind of prepare for the election, uh your time as agriculture and forestry minister, how's it been?
1: It's been phenomenal. I suspect, Am I know you've interviewed some of my other colleagues and they probably say they have the best ministry. They do they do not. Because I, I know <laughs> they I know, don't lie. They do. I know that I do, <laughs> right? Because it's it's the people that make it so. The people within the department are fantastic. You know, I have no problem with the with the expertise and professionalism within the department. If there's anything I need or need to know, that, that I can always count on them. And the industry itself has been always been good. The forestry side of things they've been bring me up to speed. I don't have the forestry background, but they've been great. Great. Not shy in the least, in making sure that I know exactly what's going on with their industry, and agriculture as well, and opportunity. I have upwards to about 700 different stakeholders. You combine the two, the two portfolios. So there, are, there's a lot of, of interest there. There's a lot of great advocacy among the industries in ensuring that their that their industry stays sustainable and supportive and supported, and that they do. The good work they do, and you know, supplying uh, some wealth to the province of Alberta and, and the great jobs they support.
0: Now, you're pretty much always wearing cowboy boots and a large belt buckle whenever I see you. Is that why you really like being agriculture minister? Because you can get away with that?
1: That's a big part of it, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can
0: wear jeans to work every day, but as long as you're wearing- Not,
1: well, yeah, not every day. I can't wear jeans into the into the into the house. That
0: is true. Have you thought about getting that rule changed just for the agriculture I minister? I have
1: walked into, into the house with jeans because I forgot. <gasps> and, and that was spotted instantly before oh, I even got a no. chance. And they kicked me out.
0: I bet.
1: Yeah. Good Did thing you... I, had a, I had a suit. You uh, did okay. in my office. So I quickly changed and got back in my seat.
0: <laughs> you got in trouble. I
1: did. No. <laughs> and they were black jeans too. They were pretty pretty eagle eyed out there. yeah, oh,
0: yeah they. Yeah. yeah, we can't wear them into the press gallery either. So yeah. you know. Yeah. It'd be harder to see us up there, though. And uh, how much, just finally, how much do you think agriculture and forestry issues are going to play into this election? Because it doesn't seem like right now it's going to be a massive conversational part, but what are your thoughts?
1: There, you know, everybody seems to be, you know, concerned about our number one product, our gas products getting to markets, Mm -hmm. which is is important, obviously. Um, Agriculture is our second largest industry in this province. Forestry is our third largest industry in this province. And there's some really good news. New stories there. I think often, maybe perhaps as typical Canadians, we don't brag about those success stories, mm-hmm. but we really should, because there's some some phenomenal success stories there. Um, Forestry's Habitat had a really good year. Agriculture—we see seen export sales of 11.2 billion dollars, so or a record in export sales. Uh, so, continuing to to support those industries as we go forward is continue to be really important. There, there, especially agriculture is the backbone of who Alberta is, right? Every, almost everybody can trace their roots if they're not already still farming. Mm. Their parents were farming, their grandparents—that's what built this province. And that's what's still important.
0: Right um, Minister Neil Calia. Collier. Collier. Collier, I got that right. (laughs) You did. Oh, third time's a charm. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Press Gallery interview. Really appreciate you taking some uh, time out of your busy day to join me. You can, of course, hear this on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Do subscribe, and you will get the latest episodes always right to your device. Thanks.